Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Revis and Butthead podcast. And in this episode, I am your host, Joe, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hussein, as always, to bring you a nice summary about what happened in the NFL draft. Big things, Hussein. Big, big things. Big things. I am pumped. I am so excited. I'm still kind of like in a excitement hangover a little bit yeah I you know what so. i mean i'm i'm yeah i'm gonna we're, f- we're recording this after day three ended so we've had a couple days to sit on it i'm in a stage right now where i think like if we like go out and sign like tyron matthew i'm literally gonna place a bet on the jets to make the playoffs like this instant like i'm like this i'm like so close to doing something stupid right now like that's how excited i am about this hussein's ready to get reckless and that's saying something I'm reckless. It's it's honestly impossible to say that the Jets did not improve as a football team after this NFL draft. They 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 went balls out. Forget in, forget improve. They knew who they wanted and they went and like got them. Like if you told me, you know, you told me in the draft the Jets walked away with Sauce, Garrett Wilson, um, Jermaine Johnson, and Brees Hall, I would have asked you what you were smoking because I wouldn't have believed you. I would have thought so, it was utter, utter, utter tomfoolery. Honestly, uh, no. I, would have, I would have thought you were smoking crack if you told me I, that all those players I, would be in a jet uniform. I would have looked you dead in the eyes and called you the biggest liar on the face of the earth. Exactly. But I, I want to, we want to go by each player and we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about each of them. Uh, obviously some of these players, we went into great lengths in our position reviews and ranking videos. So we'll just touch on them. Uh, we'll, we'll explain our excitement. And for the guys that we didn't really talk about, we'll go, we'll, we'll talk a lot about them a little more. So going and starting at number four overall for the Jets, the Jets kind of shocked me and Hussein originally shocked. on draft day. We, we really were convinced that it was going to be an edge rusher at four, but lo and behold, when Roger Goodell walked the stage and uttered the words of the New York Jets uh, are selecting Ahmad Gardner and I don't know if anyone understands besides Hussein, but I think I've been like, like just so obsessed with him probably this entire year. Oh yeah. I, I was sending Hussein's uh, PFF tweets on sauce Gardner probably since about October. No, that, the PFF, like the sauce Gardner tweets, I think started from you like literally last June. Like he's the one player I've had a huge love for. And I, it's, it's, it was such a hangover because I thought we, the Jets were not going to take him because they're so predicated on edge rusher. But then we take him and he's a Jet. I'm just so ecstatic. What do you think, Usain? I'm ob- I obviously love it. Like I, I was shocked in a word, like because we all we hear about is you know even at the you know owners meeting, Salah goes, "How are you going to stop you know having Tyreek Hill in your division? Oh, we're going to hit the quarterback." You know the words they said made it seem like okay, like yes, obviously people love to have someone like Sauce on their team but that's not where they place the emphasis of their defense. But I think for them to go out and recognize that like, this is a great player and whether or not it's like what this is dependent on, it'll work, you know, just not saying they're not ironclad and we need this, we need this to make it work. They're flexible saying 
all right, fine. We'll go take a guy who we think can lock down half the field and make the rest work from there because at the end of the day, it makes your football team better. And look at this corner group now. I mean, Sauce is the headliner, but we still got DJ Reed, who is an absolute dog in his own right. Like that guy, he can he can plant his foot and just ex- and just explode towards the ball. I just, I love DJ Reed, and yeah, Bryce I Hall, think- he's gonna be he's gonna be a uh, CB four at this point. Obviously, he might with, be the best CB four in football. Yeah, with uh, Michael Carr the second, obviously being CB three in the slot. I mean. Bryce Hall, Brandon Eccles, they're going to be relegated to the bench. Isaiah Dunn, likely relegated to practice squad. It's, it's so weird. It's The I, Jets actually have a deep position group right now. I think Aside the, from defensive line, might I add. I, I think, yeah, the cornerback room and the, the defensive line room are the two deepest positions on our roster. And that was not the case, you know, heading into this offseason. They were probably the two weakest. But I, that's what shocked me. Get, having DJ Reed signing him to a relatively big money deal and then we're like, all right, fine. Then we let, you know, Bryce Hall and Brandon Eccles fight for that other side. I think every Jets fan was cool with that notion. Like, there was no one complaining about that room. But then to go add sauce, now it just makes you question, what are they going to do with Hall and Eccles? But, you know, it's a good problem to have. It'll sort itself out. Send them to the bench. I don't care. They can come in and be backups and rotational players. Also, something to think about, corners, it's a position you tend to get hurt at a lot. Yeah. You know, you pull a hammy running down the sideline, whatever it may be but it's good to have depth at that position. I would maybe also look for a lot of dime this year on those many downs, you know, get Bryce Hall on the field. Anyways, do you on like obvious passing situations, if Michael Carter isn't like doing well this year, like if you're in the nickel, do you slide DJ Reed back inside and put Hall or echoes outside? I not think that's every something, down. I think that's something I'd maybe consider. Uh, I've seen, I've seen some fans think or question whether they can actually slide Bryce Hall inside. I'm like, no, absolutely not. He just, it's not his game. He's not athletic enough to be on the inside, but DJ Uh Reed, he is. Um, so if you want to get Bryce Hall out on the field in dime packages, I think that's the one way to do it. And I I don't think Bryce Hall is going to be, uh, never in the game. I'd, I'd probably say he's going to be playing maybe, I don't know, 20% of the snaps after playing a year where he played arguably maybe 80%. Mm -hmm. So Just, you know, I'm a huge Bryce Hall fan, you know this, but mm-hmm. I, I also think Sauce Gardner brings something that no one, you know, DJ Reed didn't have it. That was our big negative on him. Turnovers. This defense need turns, needs turnovers, whether it, regardless of fumbles, sacks and strip sacks and all that nonsense, but you got to generate turnovers in the defensive backfield. It's, it's a must these days. And and I told, I told you this a couple of weeks ago that, the one downside with Bryce Hall is he, he doesn't. I mean, he's, he great at, he's great at breaking up passes, but quarterbacks will not be afraid to throw your way if the worst thing that's going to happen to them is a, is an incom- is a breakup. So with that said, there's limited upside in Bryce Hall's case, which, look, he's a fine player. I like him a lot too. And he, he played well this past season, but there needs to be a fear in the quarterback's mind when he's throwing. And there is that with Sauce Gardner because you look at when Sauce Gardner's in man, the receivers can kind of look open and then all of a sudden he closes with his wingspan and they're not open anymore. So that's just, that's something the jets have been lacking for honestly a really long time. Yeah. I mean, he does have ball skills. Let's get it straight. He doesn't have the ball skills of Derek Stingley. Oh yeah. He's, he's in a stratosphere of himself. They're still good. You know, if I, like I personally had sauce Gardner as my CB two this year. I know you had him as one Stingley was my number one, but that's because I'm, especially when you're drafting a corner that early, I'm big on ceiling. And I told you this, I think 
the floor on Stingley is a lot lower than the floor on sauces, but the ceiling on Stingley. So I think the ceiling for sauce is, you know, an all pro level corner. I just think the floor the ceiling for Stingley is, you know, defensive player of the year. But I think the floor for sauce is like the floor, the absolute floor is you're getting a borderline pro bowl level cornerback. You can't argue with that. I think his floor is honestly Cromartie. Aside from Cromartie's like one rare 11 interception season that he had on the, on the San Diego Chargers, I think it's a pretty good floor for him, especially at number four. I do remember Crow having some great ball skills. He did have great ball skills. They, they weren't obviously Derek Stingley's level, but it's still very good. And I'm pretty, I forgot who was against, but I'm, I could, it's, it's going to really bother me that I forgot this, but Sauce Gardner had like one of the most incredible acrobatic interceptions this past year. I forgot who was against. It's going to bother me. Do you, yeah, know, I think, do you know the play I'm talking about? Because it's uh, it viral. No, no, I don't remember. I, you were telling me this and it's kind of true. Like for Sauce Gardner, like I think he has the ball skills. It's just, he never got a chance to show him because they didn't throw his way. You know, like yeah. you have to, you have to go back to his freshman tape yep. to see him, you know, making some plays on the ball. And that's just how it works. He turns into a receiver when the ball's in the air. It's, it's that plain and simple. Like, well, actually, when I was watching George Pickens tape uh, against uh, when LSU played uh, Georgia, there was obviously, you know, I, I was mostly focusing on Pickens, especially against Stingley. But Stingley, when he sees the ball in the air, just the way he goes up and gets the ball, he it's just he looks like a something receiver. Else. Which is, it's, something it's, else. it's insane. It's really insane. Um, and the Texans got a good one. I just I hope he stays healthy. I hope he doesn't. I hope that foot injury heals right. Um and I and I I don't think those level football questions that he had briefly before the draft I think that's all just utter bullshit. No, it just doesn't yeah. make sense. You don't I mean, play I through think... you don't play through a life's frank foot injury if you don't love football. Sorry, it's just it's not the case. Yeah, I think um, especially for him, you know, he uh, Stingley specifically, like if he doesn't stay healthy, like that's going to be a problem, and I don't think that's a risk, you know, in a position to take. Which is why I, I'm very happy. I was shocked. You know what? I'll be honest. Like now, the more I think about it, like I don't think Jermaine Johnson was worth it at four. And I was terrified the pick was going to be Iguanu, so I can't really complain there. Yeah, you, they, the Jets took the best player available, and I, it's been their strategy for a very long time with especially incompetent GMs, and it's burned us. But it's nice to have a, uh, a GM that actually displays confidence in, in the draft and can actually draft a le- legitimate best player available. That actually kind of makes sense. You know, he's not drafting five interior defensive linemen every single year in a row and expecting a different result. Um, but Sauce, the guy's a baller, man. He's just – he's the swaggiest player in the draft, in all honesty, and I think he's going to inject a lot of attitude on that defense, especially I think his personality is going to freaking explode with Carl Lawson and Jermaine Johnson and just the fire – on this defense could, could be utterly just incredible. So I hope it all works out. Um, but moving on to our number 10 pick in the NFL draft, we spoke about this guy a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Wider, wide receiver one for me pumped. Mm-hmm. He was wide receiver two for me, but let me tell you, it was a, I don't want to say it was a one, a one B situation. Cause it wasn't, but Garrett Wilson's going to be an immediate contributor, and that's not something Jamison Williams could have been for the Jets. So they, the one and two for me, they were very close, and I love this pick. I he's he's like a perfect dream fit in this type of offense. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, he was very clear my number one choice. I was shocked that Atlanta took Drake London. I thought all along that they didn't take Jameson Williams from us. I'm glad they didn't. It's not Jameson, Garrett Wilson. I talked about him so much in our wide receiver pod. I love him. He can do everything. He gets open. He can make stuff happen after the catch. I comped him to Stephon Diggs even before he was a Jet, and I'm sticking with that. Four three eight forty. Like yes, he's not a burner, but we have two guys on the outside now who ran a sub four four. Like you have speed more than I think that we understand. Absolutely, and the thing that I think that's really underrated about Garrett Wilson's game is that he understands route spacing between other routes. And if you watch the Jets games this past year, the receivers would were more often than not clumped together more than they should be. And that kind of made Wilson's job a lot harder and trying to trying to make a read and go through his progressions. So that's something that now you have Elijah Moore, who was great at running routes. He was, he wasn't the problem last year. He wasn't, it's just, you no. know, so a couple other receivers were, but it's okay. Um, and now you have Garrett Wilson on the opposite side who has this same level of, of knowledge in, in route spacing. So hopefully we don't see any of those debacles where receivers are all clumped together again this year. And something that's kind of underrated about his game is he plays big. He plays six. He plays big. He he's five, five, 10, he's, five, 11. And he six plays like flat. Corey Davis, six, two Corey yeah. Davis plays like he's five, 10. Yeah. But I, I love it. And I think the biggest thing with Davis, with Moore, with Wilson, is that they can all have the ability to play all three wide receiver spots. You know, Michael Fleur is just ogling over that concept. Just the sheer flexibility. Can you just imagine players lining up and just shifting and motioning to different spots just to confuse the hell out of the defense and try all and, the time and try and get a juicy matchup lined up across from one of them? Like, that's, that's, scary as a defensive Lef- player to have to actually plan for that lafleur is in his bag i'm very excited i'm i I'm, really am he, he's got all the weapons he could ever need as an offensive coordinator yeah and i was just telling you this um so robert sala went on an interview and said that if the falcons took garrett wilson at eight like a lot of us thought they would the jets would have gone jermaine johnson at 10 they wouldn't have taken a receiver at 10 so i think that's really interesting they clearly got their guy I guess that very clearly means they had Garrett Wilson as a peg above Drake London and Jamison Williams. And I can't blame him. He does everything. I don't blame him either. Honestly, I, I love this player. He, he's been one of my draft favorites for a very long time. Um, he, he's just, he's going to be able to slide in and honestly, LaFleur is going to throw the playbook at him and he's going to be able to execute because yeah. if there's one college offense, that's really hard on their receivers. It's Ohio state. It's, you know, because yep. you've explained multiple times, half the receivers, when they line up, they don't know what route they're running until they see the coverage and they're four steps yeah. deep, they're, they're four steps into their routes. They don't know until they can read the coverage. And that's a lot of those principles are also in the Shanahan system. That's why that system is so difficult on receivers. So it just, this pick makes so much sense. It's just, it's, yeah. it makes it really hard to evaluate a quarterback, but it just shows a lot of intelligence by receivers and you can do it right. It's all in its entire playbook. It's an option playbook. It's kind of a mess. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I honestly, I thought the receiver at 10 would be my favorite pick, but it's four. It, sorry, it's four. Four is your favorite pick. Sauce is yeah. your favorite. Yeah, I'll tell sorry. you my favorite. But uh, I think we've said enough about Garrett Wilson. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. 
we talked about him so much. We will go obviously deeper into each of these guys, you know, as the, as we go through the off season, but yeah, you guys have heard me rave about Garrett Wilson before and you hear me do it again. It'll be all off season, ladies and gentlemen, all off season. So then we, something I was begging for screaming at my TV for since about pick 15 was trade up for Jermaine Johnson. I think when we did our, um, when we did our mock with Kyle, I went Iguanu at four, um, Drake London at 10, and I traded back up for an edge rusher. And I said, this is what I would do if, you know, we don't get an edge at four. And that's what they did. Except the edge who slid was not like, you know, Boye Mafe or something like that. Jermaine Johnson slid to 26. I am not going to complain. And I'm going to call, I, I'm sure in a couple of years we'll be, we'll be saying the other 31 NFL teams that are going to get the stupid tax because they passed on him. Man, that was a gift. That really was. Don't ever think that's going to happen again because it probably won't. We got lucky two straight years when Elijah Moore dropped to the second round. And Jermaine Johnson fell. Dropped that far. Joe Joe Douglas was making calls to teams at 15. Starting at 15, he called every single team to try and make make a trade up, which also goes to show that it ain't that easy to make a trade up or down, especially even when you have the capital, regardless of how stingy Joe Douglas may be in trades. Which is so weird because we did not give up much to move from 34 to 26. We swapped thirds yeah. and we gave up a fifth. I mean, to be fair, the, the, the picks are very close in, in trade value. So it's not like you have to give up a whole lot. But, man, it just goes to show finding a trade partner is honestly more the battle compared to actually having the assets to make the move up. Mm-hmm. But Jermaine Johnson, let's get into this, boy, because, oh, boy. Um, 26 is perfect. It's, it's, it's highway highway robbery gives me brian burns vibes when when he went from florida state at the tail end of the first round and he became what he is so so i think like i said it when we talked about him he was obviously both of our edge threes um neither of us are complaining about getting edge three at 26 but considering our edge one went at two and our edge two went at five nobody's complaining about getting edge three at 26 i think the biggest thing with jermaine johnson is that the moment he steps on the field, he is a three-down player. He's his best. He's still developing as a pass rusher. Like so they call him like the most priority pass rusher in this draft. But I am pumped about his rush defense. He is oh, a guy yeah. on first and second down. He's a strength out there. Especially when we're, we got torched on outside runs last year, on counters, on screens, all that kind of stuff. We have a we're playing division with josh allen running the football down our throat 15 times a game he's going to change a lot of that fast you yep. even, even if he has six sacks as a rookie he's going to play such strong run defense that it won't matter i like see the thing i loved about jermaine johnson the most is that like you said he's the most all-around edge player and you are exactly right. He's going to step in immediately and become one of the best run defenders on the Jets defense, aside from Quinnen. And I think that's really important. Absolutely. And in a division where you have to face, like you said, Josh Allen tw- two times a year, it's qu- kind of important. And let hey, if the Jets ever have aspirations, like all of us fans do, to actually make the playoffs and play in a wild card in the divisional round, we got to go through the Bills. And I said this before, but... Once playoff time rolled around, the Bills said, hey, Josh Allen, you're taking QB powers and you're running right right into the defense and we're going to use you as a battering ram. And 
especially in short, short yardage situations, we're going to ask you as a six, five behemoth of a human being to at least get sort of close to the line of scrimmage and then just fall forward. And yeah. it worked against the chiefs a lot until the second half when they started to really key in on it. But Jermaine Johnson has the physicality to go after uh, Josh Allen. He has a, he has a strength to set the edge hard and not allow pulling blockers to, to kick him out and let those counters get big chunks of yards like the Jets did last year. Yeah. And I love it. I think like, you know, I said it before, I think realistically he's somewhere between eight to 12 sack players, a pass rusher, which I'm also fine with because you know, you know what he's opposite Lawson, you know? He, yeah, exactly. He is edge two as an eight to 12 sack guy, potentially. Yeah. That's great. And let's not forget, like we talked about it so much. Like if you go back and watch this tape from Florida state this year, he did a lot of nonsense. He did a lot of stunting, a lot of being, you know, the imaginary blocker. He did a lot of nonsense. When you oh, let him go. That was and, so frustrating to watch. And then when he went out to the senior bowl and just every one-on-one rep, he just won so quickly, so fast. Robert Sala said he's a perfect fit for their scheme because his job will be go get the quarterback. Don't worry about any of that dumb stuff. Just do one yep. thing and he do plays, it really good. Right. He plays with a lot of tenacity, and that's a word that Robert Sala used. And I, uh, it's honestly the perfect word to describe his play, especially when – He's actually given the, the green light on defense to get upfield, but he sets the hard edge he, and he explodes upfield. That You see that 10-yard split when he explodes out of the snap. And that's probably one of the most important metrics when you're evaluating defensive linemen in Robert Sala's scheme because you just got to get upfield the fastest you can and you try to beat the linemen to their spot. But I think we've uh, beaten Jermaine Johnson to death uh, about now, but I'm sure that'll change in a couple of weeks, uh, but moving on to our next pick, unless Hussein has something else to say. I have something else to say, but not about Jermaine Johnson. I just remembered you said this, you said, and I quote, if the Jets get sauce Gardner, you're getting his Jersey, even though he's, even when he's a rookie. And you said this back in October or something, and I'm holding you to it. I'll get his Jersey. I just really hope that uh, my Jersey curse doesn't curse him. I hope he wears number one. I would love number one him him and uh, who's the other who's the other draftee that w- that was fighting over number one Brees Hall was it Brees Hall yeah on oh. Twitter which is yeah. funny because yeah it was Brees Hall you're right you're right I would, hey funny. that was a great transition man which <laughs> is funny because I'm pretty sure DJ Reed is already wearing number one I don't know if he committed to number one actually I thought it I don't know I thought he said he was yeah it's gonna be fun all right. Let's get into our next guy. This is my favorite pick of the draft. Okay. This one right hey, here. Hey, well, I'll, I'll let you take it. Brees Hall. So we are picking at 38. We gave up our fifth to move up to 36 to jump Houston at 37. Who would have taken this guy? This is what everyone is saying. Brees Hall from Iowa State. Um, I'm going to, we didn't do a running back video. So I'm going to start it off with the comparison. I think it's just I Iowa, not Iowa no, State. It's, it's Iowa State. Is it? Yeah. He played in the Big 12. Iowa was. Uh, big time. Sorry, I, I I watched him about 20 minutes ago, and the game I watched was Iowa versus Iowa State, so I think uh, I'm confused. That's, that's, a, that's a mess. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it is what so, it is. But sorry, continue. You can't unsee. Brees Hall, his relative athletic score was seventh all time among all running backs in like the last 30 years. That's insane. He finished with a 99 athleticism score on like NFL.com, and here are the only guys since 2007 with a 99 athletic score. Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, and Brees Hall. He's an elite company. I, when you watch him, you see 
Jonathan Taylor. And you just can't unsee that once you see it for the first time. He's 5'11", 220, long wingspan to stiff arm, big hand size at 85 percentile, so he doesn't put the ball on the turf. 4'3", 40-yard dash, 93 percentile for running backs. 94th percentile vertical jump, 91st percentile broad jump, short area quickness and explosiveness. This dude just gets it done. He finished with 46 touchdowns the last two years, 82 catches in his three-year career. He can catch the ball. Robert Sala, when after they drafted him, they described him as a guy who can go 80 yards anytime he touches the football. A home run threat. A true home run threat. That's something the Jets offense has been lacking last year. And don't don't get me wrong, I love Michael Carter, but it's not his game. And the Jets get their home run hitter and their workhorse. There was a few times last year Michael Carter got dragged down in the back. The game we were at in Jacksonville where he got inside the five from like a 40-yard run and couldn't finish. Um, he got tripped up by, I think it was Antoine Winfield against Tampa Bay on an 80-yard run. A play against Miami where he had a 40-yard run tackled inside the two. He's great. He can't, he just couldn't finish. And it's also the fact that at UNC, he never really saw more than 15 touches a game. He's never seen more than 15 touches a game in his career. And I just don't think his body can handle it because once he started getting more than 15 last year, he ended up getting hurt. So yeah, I think his small frame is something to worry about with him. And you want to keep him, you know, healthy. And the only way to do that is to go get yourself a running back who's 220 pounds and can handle hits. So, you know, if he gets, you know, 12 carries a game and, you know, Brees Hall gets 20, that's exactly what LaFleur and Sala want offensively. They want to run the ball 30 times a game. And obviously Carter can't do that by himself. But I, I think it'll look a lot like UNC's backfield when Carter was there. Williams, it was like a 66-33 split between Williams and Carter. Or what Denver is like this year, which is Carter and um, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, and both of them top like 800 yards. Yeah. Also, I'm just I'm so thankful the Jets brass opted to go for Brees Hall as opposed to Melvin Gordon because, man, Melvin Gordon puts the ball on the turf a lot, a lot. And and like you said, like you told me earlier, he had what? Three fumbles, two fumbles, his entire career. I think it was entire career. Yeah, one fumble his entire career, which is incredible. The ball security as a running back is one of the most important factors, too, as well, when evaluating running back prospects. So the fact that he doesn't cough the ball up huge absolutely huge it can actually it, it's a drive killer you know and yeah the jets had enough drive killers last off season so but i hope there's not going to be that many this upcoming season i don't really foresee it being the case but i actually watched like i said earlier i watched a game or two of reese hall he's he he can he's can break tackles like you wouldn't believe him and michael carter great elusiveness great contact balance he can handle hits and he just he looks good as a runner but i think also the one thing that i not the hugest fan of i mean i hate i only watched one or two games not the best pass protector but whatever i've read that who cares? whatever yeah, <laughs> whatever whatever he's going to be playing on first and second down anyway i don't i'm not really and if he's in passing situations he's going to be running routes of some sorts so I think, honestly, Usain covered the majority of what I wanted to say. I'm sorry. I stole your thunder. No, no, no. It's okay. You were passionate about it. So that's I wanted you to take it. I had my player that I I loved the most, and I got to talk about a lot, and you had yours. So it's only fair, right? But this leads us into our next pick. We picked him at in the third round at pick 101. 101. 101. 
Ohio State tight end Jeremy Ruckert, which also he, he's coming to the NFL with his former teammate. Garrett Wilson, baby. Nice. We got a couple Ohio State pass catches now on this team, huh? Does that mean we get Jackson Smith and Jigba next year? Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> but, uh, hey, unless we trade up for Will Anderson. I mean, who knows? Wow. You never know. Uh, and notice all, how I also said trade up and not just take Will Anderson. You know, that means don't pick top three. Right. But Jeremy Ruckert, man, he – I'm pretty sure Coach Middleton said this at the Senior Bowl. He is a meat and potatoes player. And that perfectly describes him. He did all he did all the dirty work at, and uh, for blocking at, at Ohio State. He's dominant as a run blocker. He he pancakes people. He is a pseudo sixth offensive lineman on the field as a tight end. Yep. And he shows some great flashes in the passing game. And I honestly think he's going to look a whole lot better in the NFL than he did at Ohio State with regards to the passing offense and him being on the field in passing situations. But he's got strong hands, too. He doesn't really drop the ball. And that's if, – if it's something you've noticed, the Jets have had a lot of people on offense that don't drop the ball a lot. I think he had two drops in three years. Mm-hmm. I think with Jeremy Ruckert, um, like you said, it's sixth offensive lineman. Um, I, we didn't really see – he was a fan favorite between both of us. He was my tight end, too, coming in. We just didn't really see them using a pick this early in a tight end after getting Uzama and Conklin. But, hey, go nuts. Like More weapons. I don't – score points and hit the quarterback. That's all I care about. He's going to – I think even, even though he's the third best receiver right now in the room, he's the best run-blocking tight end in that room. He will Absolutely. be – he will get playing time. You're, he said he's a sixth offensive lineman. And there is a lot of potential there as a pass catcher. He turned 53 grabs in three years in Ohio State into 12 touchdowns. And he's a big red zone target. Like the mm-hmm. Jets, the Jets have a bunch of basketball players in that tight end room in terms of height and size and red zone targets. He's 6'5, 250. And let alone Garrett Wilson's ability to go up and get the football in contested catch situations, which he vastly improved this past year. Like you, there, there were multiple plays in the red zone in Ohio State games. Where, where Garrett Wilson physically went up and got the football and won it mm-hmm. and high-pointed it and scored. I, I just – I love this. I, I love this pick a lot. I, I love a lot of these I, picks in this draft. This, this went really well. I mean, it, I just – I love this Jeremy Ruckert pick too because, you know, he's also a guy that you can draft and develop on your own outside of Uzama and Conklin. And this really lets, like, full-on lets Mike LaFleur run 12 personnel into the ground if he wants to. Mm Because if somebody gets hurt, you have three capable NFL tight ends. Last year, we had zero. Last year, we probably didn't have three capable college tight ends. Last year, we had negative two. (laughs) We have three. For God's sakes, run 13 personnel, and I won't care. Yeah. Single back wing tight for all All the Madden fans. For all the Madden fans. But Every, Every running down. Like, imagine on the right side of the line, you have Vera Tucker, Becton, and then Ruckert out there. I'm running stretches there all game. Mm-hmm. Just power to the right side. Let's run offenses with Brees Hall back there. This run offense is going to be a lot of fun this year. And you know what it's going to do? You're, you're going to either you stack the box to stop the run, and then you give single coverage to Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and Corey Davis, or you just let the Jets run the ball down your throat. It's going to make life really easy for Zach Wilson next year. 
I just love how the Jets decided to keep adding to not only the receiver room, but the tight end room for pass catchers, because regardless of them signing Conklin and Uzama, because we saw with the Bengals, they had two very, very capable receivers before the 2021 NFL draft and Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. And they went out and drafted Jamar Chase. Now, obviously Jamar Chase is in his own stratosphere as a receiver, but that opened up so much for the run game. Joe Mixon struggled for the majority of the beginning of his career. And fantasy, fan, uh, fantasy football owners will very much well know. And I owned him when he before his breakout year. So he was one of the most frustrating players to have. Uh, mm-hmm. And boy, did that open some nice running lanes for an offensive line that, quite frankly, wasn't all that great. It was not they easy. They still got production on the ground because of that threat. And now the Jets have maybe not the exact elite tier talent that Jamar Chase is, but there's still that threat. And I hope it translates to points. And I think it really will translate to a lot of points this, this season. Hunter Hughes went on and said it on his podcast. Basically, if Zach Wilson is even an average quarterback, if he's Alex Smith this year with the talent they put around him, there's no reason his offense shouldn't be top 10. It it can. And he's got to hit the short throws. He's got to hit the easy stuff. He can't be airmailing balls like he did earlier last season. Cause that he made his life so much more difficult. Like if he actually hit those throws, his rookie year could have gone a lot differently because he then, stayed on the field longer. That means more snaps. That means more reps against NFL defenses that are disguising their coverage. It'll help his recognition. It's a, it's a huge snowball effect that in order to develop, you have to stay on the field. And then, you know, when and he I came back, see him use his legs more to stay on the field. And that's something he didn't do in the beginning of the year. And he obviously started doing the later half of the season. So, and not even that, when he came back from the injury, he did start hitting those short throws. And then he started opening up to the deep balls and receivers still didn't catch him. Now we're in position to catch him. Absolutely. Even in the beginning of the year with the Titans game, like when, when he needed to play, the receivers actually came down and made the play. And you and saw the result. We won the game. We put up a decent amount of points that game. It was an exciting game to watch. Every other game this season, it's, it's the receivers didn't make the play for him. It's going to be a lot of games like the Titans game next year, hopefully, offensively. I hope. I sure hope. But – with all that being said, unless Hussein has some something else to add, I think it's time to move on. What do you think? Yeah, let's let's get into our last two picks here. Our last two picks. The Jets made it very easy. Uh, Hussein wanted the Jets to just make the picks in the fourth round just so we can continue studying. So shout out to Joe Douglas for letting Hussein study for, for med school. Uh, but at pick, hold on, let me. I had it open on my phone. At pick 111, the Jets picked Max Mitchell, offensive tackle. It's about time the Jets selected a developmental offensive tackle. I mean, he fits the system great. He's a smooth mover, uh, smooth mover, smooth Moother. mover Moother. in open space. He looks really good in pass protection too. He, like he's really good at mirroring pass rushers when he when he's dropping back into his kick slide. But you know, for a fourth round tackle, I think he's got some good upside. You know, let him ride the bench for a year. Hopefully, Beckton can stay healthy and doesn't you know he doesn't need to be thrown into the fire. I honestly think he's going to be the immediate backup behind uh, Beckton and Fanta tackle. Better than Doga and um, yes, what's McDermott? I'll tell you that. Yes, easily. Well, McDermott may be a good tight end. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, uh, but I like this. It's an upside move. You know, it's about time we create a pipeline on the offensive line. So oh we don't, we're not goodness. forced. Wouldn't that be nice? We're not forced to draft one in the first round every time somebody leaves or somebody gets hurt. You know, there's very few positions that you should draft in every single draft. And one of those 
positions is at least one developmental lineman somewhere along the line, whether it's a guard center tackle, you need to do it at least every year. It's about time to do that. You know what this dude also offers? Like he's played at right tackle, played at left tackle. Um, he has even played a left guard. Joe Douglas said he's done everything, including play center. Yeah. Like he took, snaps, he played, he took snaps, which is incredible. He took, he took snaps at center. We saw him at the senior bowl. So they saw him up close. They very clearly like him. His PFF grade of 95 was the highest on all run blocking offensive tackles last year. He was, he was a really good run blocker. Um, obviously he's a fourth round pick. So there are issues with his game. Clearly. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch him before, but uh, I've done, a, I, I've watched some clips and stuff. And one of the things is that he lacks an anchor and strength, which listen, I think there's bigger issues with linemen coming out of the, uh, out of the college level. And when they're given an, uh, an NFL level training and lifting program with NFL level professional strength and conditioning coaches, I think that would help him a lot. He's got the frame, like he's six, six and only 300 pounds. So like you have, you have size to add weight. If you're six, you know, it's not like he's six, one, six, two, six, three, and 300. He's six, six. Right. Like he's, he's the kind of player where if you're taking him, you want to have a plan of where you want him, like at which weight you want him playing at like that. I'm pretty sure if Joe Douglas made that pick that the staff already knows how they're going to approach developing him and getting him up to speed in the NFL level. So I honestly really trust this pick. And I, it's, I also, it's rare that I say that, but I've been saying also, it a lot these last yeah. two years. I loved the video of him, the, his draft call, because the area scout who met with him back in October met with him the senior role. He's the one who called him. Really? Yeah. So the area scout, because he played for a small school. He played for Louisiana Lafayette. Mm-hmm. Um, the area scout who found him in October, and he met him after the game. He met him at the senior role. Obviously, the rest of the coaching staff did there, too. He's the one who called him and said, we're drafting you. Oh, that's awesome! Honestly, that's so, it's such a great video. You should watch. You should check it out. If you guys I haven't seen that one, I, yeah, I'm gonna go watch that. It's a great video. I am a slut for the for all the Jets videos that they've been putting out on Twitter, where they show what Sala and Joe Douglas say on the calls to these prospects. Just, just inject uh, Robert Sala yelling sauce into the phone, into my veins. I love I, it. Like, I watch videos of other like coaches and GMs like. Obviously, they're excited, but like you don't hear it in their voice the way you hear it with Salah. It's kind of yeah. Crazy. There's like no energy or little to no energy, and just Salah's full of it, man. I, and I just, I the great thing about that is players gravitate towards that, mm-hmm. and that's gonna matter the when these players need to develop because if the players don't look up to you and don't gravitate towards you, they're not. They likely won't listen to you, you know. But. With all that being said, we've reached our final pick in the 2022 NFL draft, Usain. And it's about time. <laughs> here's I was actually talking to my friends about this, like, because we made two picks today while we were studying. They're like, how many times are the Jets picking? And I'm like, they picked seven times in the top 117, and that's it for the rest of the draft day. And considering the state of our roster, considering we're the youngest roster, considering we have the most players under contract in the NFL, I mean, if you have to cut like 20-something guys this camp, unfortunately, guys that we'll like, that we there's no point of walking away with a 11 man draft class that includes you know four fifth and sixth rounders. Go get your guys. Like I understand the dart throw concept, but we're not there anymore. We're not we're there not. right now. You made an absolutely excellent point. You can't just keep having these 10 11 man drafts because eventually you're going to start cutting those players that you think highly of. So it's counterproductive. 
Love that point you made, Hussein. Uh, our last pick at 117, we picked Michael Clemens, edge rusher from Texas A&M. And we didn't know much about him. Real shocker. Draft. Um, I don't know if it was a shocker just because I didn't know who it was. And it made sense given the position because, duh, it's an edge rusher. It's a dart throw edge rusher. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you read up on him. I'm sure you did, but it's I, some, watched, yeah. I watched I uh, watched. I watched Texas A&M against Alabama, and I also watched Texas A&M against LSU. Wow. Too. I, I want to hear the Alabama. They were, they were condensed games, so it was only like 10 okay. or 15 minutes. So it's not like I watched a two-hour game. You know, I wasn't I, – I, I didn't have the uh, patience or effort or motivation you didn't have to tell, that. You didn't have to tell our listeners that. They would have believed you had all the motivation in the world. <laughs> no, Joe Douglas would have called you himself to be a scout if- yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll quit my job right now and, and accept that. Uh, but anyway, um, something I've noticed about him is that he's so powerful. Like his bull rush is legit. You know, like I've, there were multiple times where he bull rushed the tackle right back into the quarterback and made the play. He's got good hands. Um, I wanted to see him against Evan Neal kind of went as expected considering he was taken in the fourth round. There were a couple times where he flashed, um, there was actually a play where he caught Evan Neal leaning and he just swiped the hands down, went around him. And unfortunately it was a run play, so it didn't matter, but you know, it's, I just, I like to see, but the real game I want to talk to you about is LSU. LSU, the guy dominated, dominated like, oh my gosh, the, the guy just abused the tackle on bull rushes. Like he's so physical. It's just, it's just one straight line to the quarterback. And don't put a tight end on him. If you ask a tight end <laughs> to block him, it's going to end poorly. Like the LSU actually put a tight end on him. I, I don't know his name, uh, but it, it went about as well as you would expect. Uh, but he's got some serious talent. Obviously, you have the issues off the field, which if, you know, it's a fourth round pick, you know, whatever. I, I mean, <laughs> not, not saying whatever to whatever, you know, issues he's had. But like whatever, if it doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a fourth round pick. The risk is pretty much mitigated at that point. But I liked what I saw in the limited games I've watched of him. I'm going to keep watching. Uh, I, I, he's got a high motor too. Like he regularly chases down runners from the opposite side of the field, like from the opposite side of the line of scrimmage from behind. And it's great to see something that Robert Sala is going to love to, to mold. And you, and I don't know if you told me this or it's something I saw on Twitter, but Jeff Ulbrich, ecstatic in the draft yeah he was was utterly ecstatic when they made this pick he was so excited but this also begs the question the jets have what like 10 defensive linemen on their roster now um i think 11 worth keeping let's go through the list right let's go through the starters okay yeah last year starters that are still on the team we have quinn williams john franklin myers let's go inside then out let's do inside first sheldon rankins yep that's pretty much with the inside guys. I mean, Nathan yep. Shepard. Nathan Shepard. We, we re-signed him, and we added Solomon Thomas. There's also Kyle Phillips. Oh, man, I forgot about Kyle Phillips. Solomon Thomas. Um, I think that's it with inside. Jonathan Marshall. Oh, yeah, Jonathan Marshall, yeah. Which he's, he's going to, you know. Yeah. Uh, he may even be relegated to the practice squad at this point. Now, outside, we got Bryce Huff, mm-hmm. Jacob Martin, Yep. Carl Lawson. Mm-hmm. Jermaine Johnson. 
and uh, the prospect we just drafted. And Vinny Curry. And Vinny Curry. This is That's 13 players, Hussein. 13. Wait, I'm not a mathematician, but how much of a 53-man roster is that? That that's is about 25% of the 53-man yeah. roster. Yeah. And those are guys who should, or NFL caliber players, should be on NFL roster. Absolutely. So what, what, what you're likely going to see is All you're likely going to see Jonathan it. Marshall be practice squatted again this year. You're probably going to see the same thing with Nathan Shepard because the, the staff loves him. Yeah. Now you're down to 11. Who do you want to get rid of? I, I, I think you have to carry 11. Kyle Phillips? Maybe Kyle Phillips gets sent to the practice squad? I think Kyle Phillips is the guy you can send up because you kept him as his, you know, run ability on the edge. Now it's kind of replaced with Jermaine Johnson, mm-hmm. but he was still like, you could tell that the run defense changed when he came back from injury last year. Right. Exactly. Like he has a legitimate impact in the run game. So I don't know if I really want to have him get sent down to the practice squad, but it's a good Jets, problem to have. Exactly. The jets, the jets going to go into the season probably with like about nine defensive linemen on their active roster. I That's would- a lot. I would pin it at 11, if I'm being honest. The amount of solid rotation. Could be. I wouldn't be surprised. But then, like, at that logic, we also have, like, I think at least five corners that should make the roster. You know, at least five. Javelin Gidry is what? Your CB5? No. um, Brandon Eccles. We got Sauce. We got DJ Reed. We got Bryce Hall. Michael Carr II. You're right. And Brandon Eccles. And Brandon Eccles. And Gidry, he's CB6. This I think starting for us last year. I now think he's CB6. Yeah, you're likely going to see probably Isaiah Dunn get relegated to the practice squad. You're probably going to see the same for uh, for Pinnock, unless they unless they think he can stick around as safety. And the and this the Jets got to compensate somewhere on the roster, but it's a good problem to have, man. It's a really it's a good great problem, problem to have. Man. I. Oh, I'm so pumped after this offseason. I'm so pumped. I'm so excited. So let me get my two cents in about Michael Clemens real quick. Yeah, go for it. I'm seven done, sacks, so you can take seven, those. Seven sacks this year, 11 in his last 15 games. Um, Joe Douglas and Robert Salas said they're not as concerned, uh, concerned with his off-field stuff. Like, they think it'll be sorted out. They said that if he didn't have any off-field problems, if he was, like, a clean sheet, they thought he was – a potential like date, like late day one, early day two player. That's how, what they thought of him without any off-field stuff. And I, I, I showed you this on Twitter. Um, pressures per game, 4.6, second in college football behind Will Anderson, above Aiden Hutchinson. And let me just put in context for the listeners that don't know who Will Anderson is. Will Anderson is going to probably most likely be the next Miles Garrett level edge rushing prospect to be in the draft next year in 2023. He's from he's, Alabama. He's insane. He's insane. He is incredible. And I actually told you about him. I think when we were watching Cincinnati versus Alabama, I knew about him coming into that, but yeah, it was, he is insane. Incredible. And he's, he's just behind him. So it's worth the risk, man. If he, if he can stay out of trouble, it's worth the risk. And Hey, now, now, now that he's coming to New York and New Jersey, the marijuana issue that he had at college is not an issue anymore. So there's that. He just doesn't, yeah. just don't smoke and, you know, get drug tested and fail it multiple times, like, like a Lael Collins or, or try to bribe the person trying to conduct the drug test. Oh. Don't do those things. Don't please. do those things. <laughs> like, just d- d- don't do that, please. So is but, there anything else you want to say about this draft class? 
I, I feel like I've said everything I needed to. I, I think there are some good days ahead of the Jets if, if all goes right. I have one final thing I would like to add. One more about Brees Hall, just because I wasn't done. Okay. He's from Baltimore. Baltimore, for the most part, does not place an emphasis on drafting running backs early unless they really think highly of them. Um, so for And Joe Douglas confirmed Brees Hall is a top 20 player on his board. So for Joe Douglas, a guy who's like positional value, positional value, positional value, to trade up in the second round for a running back, he must love the living hell out of him. And that's a good sign. Like he must yep. not just be like, okay, this guy fell in, like this guy, like is he able to take him? It's like, I need him kind of love. And, I, and uh, you know, using that same logic, Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich love their edge rushes, right? Mm-hmm. And they took a corner at number four over the edge rushers there. So what same is that, logic. What does that tell you about Sauce Gardner? That they think he can lock down half the field as a rookie. He is legitimate. Uh, and I'm just going to throw this out there because, again, I love Sauce. I also want to preface this by saying, ideally, I don't want to see him being thrown in the fire like this, okay? Okay. But once the season rolls around, if push came to shove, I trust him one-on-one with Stephon Diggs. Uh, I would have to see him You're in hesitating. an NFL game. You're hesitating. Like, I love Derek Stingley, and I wouldn't say that right now. It's Stefan Diggs. He's a top three receiver in football, in my opinion. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to shut him down. There's a difference. Uh, I trust him one-on-one. Okay. There's a difference. I, I love that both Sauce and Wilson said iron char- sharpens iron. Yeah, it's the same. It, it's a repeat of the Carl Lawson versus Mackay Becton training camp, the whole iron sharpens iron. Except that went really mostly one way. Mm-hmm. But man, I'm just, I'm so excited so, about Sauce. So Baltimore, because this is where Joe Douglas is from, they've taken two running backs um, in the second round, really. I think even at any point, day two or higher in the last 20 years. Okay. So this kind of shows you what they think of running backs, too. Those two running backs. Ray Rice, who obviously was really good before stuff for the domestic, I, yeah, I domestic will name. case, mm-hmm. and then J.K. Dobbins. So, I mean, obviously, if the player, if the right player is there, Joe Douglas does not have any issues trumping his positional value uh, mindset and going and getting them. Yep. As long as they can make plays, man, it's all that matters. I agree. That's so. Nice. Before I wrap up, I want to, you know, obviously these are dumb, the worst things ever, but we have to do them. What is your draft grade? <laughs> My draft grade. See, I love all these players, Hussein. Every single one of them I love. I'm just asking for a letter here, man. I don't want to give them an A+, plus, but I'm going to give them an A-. minus. And the only reason I'm going to give them an A minus, and I, I'm going to say it again, I love all these draft picks, is that at certain picks, I think I probably would have preferred a different direction, especially in regards to linebacker and safety. But, and that's a big but, I don't hate or dislike, or I'm not even lukewarm on who they took because they're still great players. That's my only, that's my only complaint but it's such a small nitpicked complaint that it only knocks it down yeah. to like an A minus. So that's my I grade. Did, 
to saying the exact same thing. Like we talked about this. Like, yes, would I preferred like Brent, Brent, uh, Brandon Smith from Penn State, the linebacker, or Darian Beavers, the linebacker from Cincinnati, over um, Michael Clemens? Yeah. Still took what I think is a good player. So, you know, and that, that speaks to the fact that it was running around on Twitter all offseason. The Jets think a lot more of their linebackers and thought their struggles was a lot more predicated because of the defensive line than the average fan thought. So they don't really see it as a need. Um, please go sign Quan Alexander. Um, if you guys are cool with your safety depth chart, that's fine. If not, please go sign Honey Badger. If you do those two things, I'm betting on the Jets to make the playoffs. <laughs> You're going to run to uh... – to the DraftKings headquarters and place I'm your running to the nearest casino. Sprinting with your rehabbing ACL tear. Okay, so now I want to ask you one more question before we wrap up this episode. Shoot, my man. Who outside of the Jets do you think had the best draft class? That is such a good question. There's so many. There's a few teams that come to mind. There's a few teams. Which one? I mean, obviously, I think Let one me... or two. <sighs> Three knocked it out of the park, in my opinion. One that really is coming to mind is Baltimore. That easy. They took, I was showing my friends, my board. I have Kyle Hamilton at three. And I think Tyler Lindebaum at like five on my big board. They got them both. Then mm-hmm. they got, um, who is the other guy? Who did they draft round two? They got David Ajaba, who many people saw as a first rounder. They got Travis Jones in the third, who many people mocked to the jets at pick um, 38. Love that pick. Love it. Uh, here's mine. Kansas City. They got Trent McDuffie, George Karloffis, who, yes, I don't love, but still a good player. Sky Moore at 54, who I thought they should take at the end of round one. They got Brian Cook, Leo Chanel, who you and I both really liked. And they added Darian Kennard in round five. Some people were talking about Kennard in round two, and the Chiefs got him in round five. They are, they're the definition of building an offensive line pipeline. They are, which is really important. I, I, I want to throw one more team out there just because it's, it's just utter. I'm looking at that this draft class now, and I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. And I'm pretty sure I texted this team to you already. Houston That's Texans. It. Yeah. They, they traded back a couple times and just hoarded picks, and they, they made the most out of them. Derek Stingley, we talked about him already. Kenyon Green. He's a people mover as a lineman. I'm not going to trash the pick. He was picked maybe a, a, a tad bit earlier, but he, he moves people. That's all that matters. You got Jalen Petre, which I love him. I've raved yeah. about him in the safety review. He's, he's a playmaker. And then they went out and got John Mechie, who is probably going to come in the NFL and be a solid receiver who can put up maybe 700, 800 receiving yards a year. Like he's just going to be a solid player. And they got him in the second round. And maybe they could have waited a little longer, but wasn't worth the risk. Just get him when you can. They got Christian Harris from Alabama, off-ball linebacker. He's got the speed. He can fly around the field. They got Damian Pierce, who was a huge senior bowl favorite, who was widely misused to Florida. Big power guy who's – he just – he showed out completely at the senior bowl and in the game and probably boasts one of the better skills at pass protection. And from that point, it's uh, names that I don't know. It's kind of out of my range, but they took Thomas Booker, Tegan Quitoriano. I I I hope I said that right. It's a very interesting name. And they also took Austin Deculus. 
a tackle from LSU. So I thought they had a really good draft. Gives them a nice floor of, of this rebuild on what they can start building this thing towards. And uh, hopefully they can uh, get Davis Mills on track and develop him. I One last team for me, Eagles. They oh, got Jordan Davis. They got Jordan Davis. They traded their extra first for A.J. Brown. They got Cam Jurgens in the second and Nicobe Dean in the third. Yeah. Weird. They said Nicobe Dean's not having surgery and is going to participate in rookie minicamp and all that stuff. All right. You guys do you. It's a good pick, I think, unless you guys really screw him up medically. It's very it, – it's fascinating to me, honestly, the whole Nicobe Dean slide. He had a shoulder injury. He has a pec injury, an ankle he injury, a and a torn knee meniscus. Injury. Yep. And he's refusing surgery. It's just – It's odd. And he is the type of guy when he's playing on a championship team like he did in Georgia that he's willing to put his body on the line. Mm-hmm. But it's just wild to me that he's refusing surgery. And he may have his reasons. I don't know. But it's just interesting. And especially with you as a, as a medical guy, I kind of want to hear your take on, on your opinion or your opinion on that uh, for that matter. I mean, those are injuries you can play through. It's not going to be fun. And you're just delaying the inevitable. I think at some point you're not going to be able to play through it. And at that point, if those injuries are as bad as they made it seem, that point's going to come pretty soon. And I wonder if he's actually going to be willing to get the surgery when it, when he hits that kind of no points of return, because maybe he's kind of like a player like Jalen Smith or miles Jack, where they had serious degenerative injuries that after a couple of years in the NFL, they were not going to be the same player. I wonder if that's going to be the case here with Nicobe Dean. Maybe they, uh, um, maybe he wanted to be like under a team, like under a team's medical staff and all that stuff before having the surgery. So it could be like, you know, a cohesive, uh, um, a cohesive like recovery period, you know, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe he's waiting for the next off season to, to do it. I don't know. I really don't. It's, it's kind of wild to me, but. With all that being said, guys, this will be wrapping up our episode, summarizing the 2022 NFL draft. The Jets just knocked it out of the park, absolutely killed it. We are both over the moon ecstatic about this team for the future. Last year's draft class was incredible, and this went better. Yeah, I honestly think this went better. And it's just, I love it. Joe Douglas, give him the crown. He's a king. Heist job master class highway robbery any two like really positive adjectives you could put together put them together mm-hmm. i'm in complete agreement hussein but we hope that you uh will listen to future episodes where we may bring you some nice breakdowns of these draft players drafted players uh and we will be back soon and with all that said guys peace out just nerds Hi friends.